So good to see you all. My name is Matt, and I serve as one of the pastors here. Uh, and as Emily said earlier, a uh, special greeting to those of you who are with us for the very first time. Such a privilege to have you here with us this morning. And as Kondo said, we are so excited to be starting this new series, The Talk, uh, next Sunday. He will be launching that uh, for us and. We're not uh, just excited about it because of the series and the, the nature and the topic of the series, but we're excited because we're really leaning in to invite the community to join us uh, for this time. And a new series is a great time for you to invite uh, new people to come out to church and to experience this place with us and to join us in, in worship. And uh, so I want to really encourage you to do that. As, as we uh, you know, push things out uh, through the interwebs and the like, it would be great for you to just come along alongside that with some personal invites. And I, I want to give you just a couple of really easy tips. If you're kind of one of these people that think, oh, inviting people is really hard, uh, that it's, it feels like an awkward thing to do. Um, a couple of things you can do that's really simple. You can look for what I would call the two knots, the two knots in inviting someone to church. Uh, the first one is uh, you go up to someone and you ask them, hey, are you attending church anywhere right now? No, I'm not. Well, that's number one. And so if someone says, uh, no, they're not, then that's a great person to invite. Uh, another thing is to walk up to someone and say, uh, hey, how are you doing? How are things going for you, for your family right now? Not good, actually. Well, that's the other not. And that's someone that, again, is just primed for an invitation. So really would love to encourage you to be inviting folks. Join us next Sunday for the talk. Well, this Sunday, uh, I'm excited and privileged to be wrapping up our foundation series. We are in week five of settling into our new home here at the Warsaw Performing Arts Center. And uh, it's been such an exciting season for us as uh, we're settling in and learning to make this place home. And during these weeks, uh, we have been looking at our foundations as a church, as an organization. Uh, what are some of the things that make us who we are, that define us who we are as a church and as an organization? What are some of the things as we look back to our history from the very beginnings that God laid out for us and, and made defining characteristics for us as a church? And then what are the things that we're standing on here today and we're leaning forward towards in our future as we think about these foundations? Well, we've talked about uh, some, some major principles, pr principles, sorry about that. We've talked about some major principles, defining principles for us when we started the church, things that revolved around this idea of justice, what it meant to fight injustice, what it means to uh, help people who are in need, those who don't have, those who are hungry, uh, don't have enough food, those who don't have clothes, helping the homeless, uh, fighting injustice, those who can't help themselves. That's been a big part of defining who we are as a church from the very beginning. And as we've studied the scriptures and we've leaned into some of these things that we feel like the Lord has called us to, we have seen his promises remain to be true that as we lean forward in this work and as we partner with him in this work, he responds in kind in the ways in which he responds in bringing revival and bringing restoration and him doing the work that only he can do and he being responsible for our reputation and him leaning in and answering and responding to our requests. And if you've been around here for any length of time, you know that we have this bent in our organization, in our church to be going out into the community, 
to leave the walls of this building and to take the gospel out into the community in really practical ways through things like our love ops, our monthly initiative, where we say, hey, we want to just show up in some different places uh, for Kosciuszko, for our county. We want to let our county know that we are for them. Ultimately, God is for them. We want to show the love of Jesus through that, we have a benevolence team that meet with people who are in crisis and in need and our desires to come alongside them and walk with them through some of their journey. And a little bit later here in the fall, we're going to launch our uh, second annual Love Blitz, which is kind of like our Love Ops on steroids. Just this crazy month-long initiative to just give, give, give. Give to the community as much as we possibly can through our resources and through our service. And then as a church, we've been talking about how we are working to get better uh, as a church and as individuals and what it means to carry the gospel forward in our lives as we present and we share the hope, the precious life-giving hope of Jesus Christ. Well, today what I want to do is I want to share with you one of the final building blocks, one of the final foundational pieces for us. And, and, and this is a big one and kind of helps us round out the other uh, pieces. And that is a desire for everyone, everyone that calls Mission Point Community Church home. Everyone would be taking steps forward in engaging in healthy community. We would love to see everyone stepping forward in community. Now, can we be honest for a minute? As I say that, I, I can feel some of the tension in the room. Okay, when we talk about community in church, we all have a bit of a reaction because community has some certain things tied to it. It means things to us because of our experiences and because of our history. For those of us in the room who are a little bit more on the extroverted side of the scale, you heard me say the word community and your head popped up like a Labrador retriever chasing a squirrel. It's like, squirrel, what? Community, people, ah, I love people, 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 people. Give me more people. I can't wait. This is going to be so fun. We're going to talk about community. This is awesome. Yes. And then there's others of us on the more introverted scale who you heard me say community and you've started to dig a hole with your toenails to try and slip through the floor of the pack into the sewage system and swim your way to freedom because you don't want to have anything to do with any conversation that has anything to do with community because community doesn't just mean people as in person it means plural people and oh plural people drive me crazy because I don't want to be a part of that so wherever you fall on the spectrum I get it now, some of you may be thinking like, hey, whatever, fine, I'm fine with people. I'm good with people at work, some family. I've got some good friends, uh, me and people. We're, we're good. But you see, when you talk about community, when you stand up on the stage and talk about community, I know what you're talking about. You're talking about small groups. And you know what? No thanks. You see, I've already tried that. I've already done that. I've been a part of that. And I've actually been kind of burned through a small group experience. I, I'm still healing and, and processing through some of what that looks like. Or maybe you're sitting here and you're saying like, hey, yeah, community, like I, I'm in and I, I've gone all in, but my community is just, it doesn't seem like it's really working. I mean, we haven't really clicked. We've been together for a while. It's just kind of hung in this sort of weird, awkward place. And I don't really know what to do with it. Or, or maybe you're saying, you know what? I am just someone who's really busy. I mean, you know, I, I am social. I, I'm not, you know, like a weirdo cave dweller, Unabomber type, like, you know, I appreciate personal hygiene, those sort of things and interacting with people, but I'm just really busy and I don't know that I actually have time for this church community thing. 
Or finally, maybe you're someone that says, I really want community. Yes, great. I'm glad you're talking about this because I've been around here for a few months and I've wanted to dive into community, but I found it kind of hard around here to do that. I hear people talking about it and I hear this missional community thing, but I don't really see any on-ramps or ways for me to get plugged in to that, but I really would like to be a part of it. Let me tell you, I get it. Wherever you land on that spectrum, I actually can relate to all of the above in some point in my life, in some point in my faith journey. And see, actually, I'm kind of this sort of weird um, introverted extrovert, you know, where I have sort of this split personality thing and, and I go through seasons where it's like there's times where I'm all about people and community and I can't get enough of it and I, I want more of it. And then there's other times where I just want to like stay under the covers for like 87 days in a row and just leave me alone. Okay. Me and my counselors are working it out. It'll be fine. Um, and I, I get it. I get that we have times and seasons where community hits us in different ways. For me, I've had communities and small groups that have picked me up off the ground and they've dusted me off and they've helped me get back on track and get through the next week. I've had communities that uh, I've just been a part of where I've just poured out and poured out and poured out until I felt like I didn't have anything left to give. I've been a part of communities that have been just amazing and life-altering and defining to who I am as a person. And I've been a part of communities that just didn't click or work out at all. There was this one season when Eric and I were just newly married and I was a youth pastor and um, we were part of this small group and the, the collection of the small group, it was really kind of a dumb idea, but we had all of these pastors that worked together in one small group. So it was a small group filled with pastors, which feels super introverted and dumb if you're a good church and you're trying to get people, but whatever. Anyway, we were all together and Erica absolutely hated it. I mean, like hated it. We would drive there and and we'd fight the entire way there and she'd cry and I'd be like, no, we got to go. It's at my boss's house. We got to just like, you know, just man up. And she's like, I'm not a man. I don't want to go. And, you know, it was just like this really hard season. And then we dry off tears and we go inside for two hours and, you know, suffer through it. And then we drive home and cry and fight the rest of the way home. It's such a special season for us. I mean, <laughs> learned so many great, great things. Well, listen, love it or hate it or anywhere in between, wherever you find yourself on this spectrum. The truth is we need each other. And no matter how independent you may be, I need you and you need me and we need each other. You see, the need and the desire for community that we all have in us, some of us a little deeper than others, but this desire that we have to connect I believe that's a God-given, like DNA, hardwired type of thing. It's something that he has given us and it's something that he has called us to as believers. And yet in our world, in our culture, everything points us to like, no, 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 just, just Lone Ranger it, solo sport, you'll be fine. You do your thing, I'll do mine. Like, you know, we're all good. Um, let's not step on each other's toes and get in each other's business. Like community, that just, that just feels hard and, and, and too weird. And yet scripture is loaded with these one anothering passages. These places in scripture where it couldn't be more clear, the commands and the principles that God is pointing us to is this desire for him, for us to be in the trenches of life together. So if you're in this room and you can hear my voice and you're a warm-blooded human, 
This applies to you. You're going to have to pay attention for a little bit. If you're one of our cold-blooded friends, you can tune out. That's fine. But for the rest of us, go ahead and open your Bibles to uh, Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Now, we're going to look at this idea of community in the Scripture. And um, this today's going to be a little bit of a different message in terms of how we're going to go about it. We're going to look at this passage, and then we're going to look at a variety of different passage passages pretty quickly. But the, all of them, they kind of wrap around this idea of community and specifically ideas that were introduced through the life and the way of Jesus. Now, see, when it comes to community, Jesus brought a whole new way, a whole new perspective. When we're looking at the Old Testament followers of God, there was this emphasis on what it meant to stay right with God, to stay in relationship with God and the things and the sacrifices and the rituals that you would go through to stay in right relationship with God. Now, there was definitely some one anothering. There was things like, you know, don't kill each other. Uh, you know, don't commit adultery. Don't do those kinds of things. There's also, you know, do unto others. You have to do the golden rule kind of pieces. They were definitely present. But the emphasis was on this maintaining this rightness with God. Well, when Jesus comes, he absolutely flips the script and he changes up the system. As we talked about last week, his yoke, his teachings, his way we're different, and community is one of the big ones. You see, Jesus comes and he says, hey, this idea of being right with God and having the vertical relationship where it needs to be, that comes through me. I am the final sacrifice, the system of temple sacrifice. It's done, it's dead, it's over. If you wanna get to right with God, you get with right with God through me. Through trust and faith and belief in me, you can be in right relationship with God. But then Jesus just Duns his followers and some of the religious leaders and people who were following him around when he is asked, what is the greatest command? And he says, well, love the Lord your God. And they say, well, yeah, of course. And then he brings right up with it, elevates it to be at the same level to love one another, to love your neighbor as yourself. He takes this idea of loving God and he pairs it with loving people and he makes it to where the two cannot happen without each other. You can't have one without the other. If you're going to be a Jesus follower and you're going to be an obedient disciple, you have to grasp this concept of what it means to love God and to love people. And so this passage in Hebrew is instruction to the early believers. Uh, chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, if you grew up in church like I did, you have heard this passage taught probably at least a dozen times and it was used to make you feel really guilty about skipping out on church. Don't be like those bad guys that are in the habit of not getting together and not coming to church. All right, you need to be in church. That's what you need to do. And, you know, you skip church. Ooh, not good. You see, it says right here, you know, you can't give up this habit of coming together. <coughs> and it was just kind of this like, oh, man, shoot, better not go on vacation Ever have to be at church every Sunday. Well, I'm here to set you free of that guilt, at least as far as it pertains to this passage. Okay, Hebrews 
the book of Hebrews, it was written to Jewish Christians who were being pressured to renounce Christianity and return to Judaism. This group of Christians who are being converted away from Judaism to the way of Jesus, and they're starting to follow his way. They are starting to be pressured to the degree of persecution and persecution to death. And the reason it's so important for them to assemble was the exhortation or the encouragement that took place in these gatherings. See, the world was putting so much pressure on them to forsake God. They needed to assemble to encourage one another to keep pressing forward, to stay on mission, to spur one another on towards love and good deeds. This element is so huge. To spur one another on. It's the moment where believers would gather and they would be eyeball to eyeball, just checking in on each other and holding each other accountable and asking how each other are doing and finding out what others needed. Hey, how's everyone doing? Do you have enough food? Do you, can, do you have enough money to pay the rent? Do you think we can help them because they don't have enough and they would just sort of systematically work through a process of what it meant to care for each other and this idea of coming together was this moment for them to recenter, to recalibrate, to be refreshed, to report the amazing things that they saw the Lord doing around them, the miracles that were happening, the conversions that were taking place. It was times for them to just process through and confess sin and talk about things that were tempting or causing them to struggle or just the fear that was starting to rise up through some of the persecution around them. And while many of them have applied this verse to what it means to attend Sunday morning worship. This verse is actually talking about a horizontal connection that does not exclusively happen in this type of gathering. Now, now as you come into church and as we leave together in, in a little bit, um, we're just so thrilled to see the ways in which we are already growing here in this new place and what it means to be connecting with each other and the space that we have in the lobby and the hallways. It's incredible to just see everyone just hanging out and talking and connecting, and that's phenomenal. But the majority of this service, there's someone on stage with a microphone that is talking to you. And that's great, and we need that. This is a corporate time of worship and reading the Word and studying the Word together, and that's a beautiful thing. But this passage isn't talking about church attendance. So you're off the hook there. But don't get too relieved because the passage is talking about small group participation. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, being in each other's lives as an encouragement is going to be especially needed in the last and final days. And as we are attuned to the world around us and some of the things that are going on and the craziness that we see and just some of the the hectic nature of the news cycle and some of the tragedies and, and some of the terrible things, our radar is certainly up and looking to see what is God doing in these days. And I believe we should be forming these habits and developing this muscle memory and this rhythm and practice and what it means to be gathering together. See, the idea for these early believers was to gather together. It was a challenge to keep them on 
mission in sharing the gospel, to keep trusting in Jesus, to keep believing in the promises, even as persecution and punishment continue to escalate because of their faith in Jesus, this horizontal connection, these relationships, this gathering up in a circle that God provided was a huge tool in the gospel continuing to move forward and these disciples growing in their faith. Now, I want to read several supporting one anothering type passages. And for the most part, I'm just, I'm just going to read them. Um, so unless you're like, you know, super swords drill expert, uh, it'll be up on the screen. You can just read along and follow them up there. I'm going to make a few comments along the way. But the primary thought here is I, I just want to see some of the common themes in the heart behind these scriptures that we find in the New Testament as it pertains to community. As you read these verses with me, just imagine them in the context of community or small groups because, again, they are written to believers with believers in mind who are primarily gathering in these smaller group gatherings. 1 John 4, 11. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And this is the great over arching, all-inclusive command to care for one another, one that we see over and over and over again in the scriptures. Romans 15, 7, accept one another or welcome one another. Then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God, accept one another, welcome one another, just as Christ accepted you to bring praise to God. Our lives and our groups should be these welcoming places. And again, it just amazes me and fascinates me when I see this moment where it says, hey, us accepting of one another, our welcoming of one another brings praise to God. In so many ways, we, we can come and we can say, you know, bringing praise to God. Well, that's what we did a few moments ago when we were singing together. And yes, it is. And that's a beautiful and that's a great thing. But yet, what Jesus is wanting to show us is that we bring praise to God in the ways that we care and love and accept one another. 1 Corinthians uh, 12, 25, the second half of this verse, and this verse is talking about the body of Christ, the parts and the pieces of the body of, the, of Christ, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. When it comes to the body of Christ, there is no one part that is greater than the other. Christ is at the head. He is the ultimate. He is the leader. He is the reigning king. But all of the other parts that we make up of the body of Christ are on equal level playing fields. And we should have equal concern for each other in that regard. First Peter 4.10, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. You have a gift. A gift that has been given to you by God your Father. And it is your gift. And it's meant to be used. John Piper says the miracle of your spiritual gift happens when the real you simply lets grace flow from God through you to another person. Just you being you, loving other people, letting grace flow, and the way it flows from you will be very distinctive. And that will be your spiritual gift and the ways you see it at work. We need to use these gifts and we need to be together in this circle of community and using these gifts with one 
another. Ephesians 5, 21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Again, this idea of mutual submission. Caring for each other in that way. 1 Thessalonians 5, 15, always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Ephesians 4, 32, be kind and compassionate to one another. Hebrews 3, 13, but encourage or exhort one another daily. As long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. This is why the Bible says in the book of Proverbs that the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. God uses people, he uses one another to exhort. And in the context of life together in community, help each other in the ways that we look out for each other. And the ways that we see things, how we come alongside each other and have each other's spiritual backs. We come alongside and we encourage and we exhort and we say, hey, I, 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 I just noticed this thing. I see this pattern. I, I see this thing that seems to be forming in you. How are you doing? How is your heart? Are you believing a lie about yourself? Let's talk about some of the truth. And this is where small groups gets hard because this feels messy. And it is, but these are the things that God has called us to. Romans 15, 5. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had. At times, some of us need a little endurance and encouragement when it comes to loving and caring for each other. But that's the goal. That that we would be moved to the likeness of Christ and we would find this grace that flows freely to one another. Second Corinthians 13, 11, encourage one another, be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. So many things to consider in this simple verse. Encourage one another, comfort one another, be of one mind, pursue unity, live in peace. Now, can you just have unity and peace and just live in peace? Does that come easily? With humans? No, it doesn't. That's not something that just happens. It's something that takes work. It takes intentionality. It takes this willingness to enter in and work some things out. But when we commit to do this and we lean forward in this way, just look at the familiar response that we see from God our Father. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Love each other. Have peace and unity. God is so for that. And he wants to be a part of that. He will be present when we are leaning into this kind of community. Romans uh, 15, second half of verse 14. You yourself are full of goodness, filled with the knowledge and competent to instruct one another. This goes back to some of what we talked about last week. You do not need to be the best of the best, the most biblically, spiritually educated professional to have knowledge of the scripture and to teach one another. You have the spirit speaking to you and opening up the word in a way that you should be sharing with one another. Some of the most beautiful times for me in small group is just where 
people are gathered around simply just reading the word and there's just these observations that come alive and someone across the table sees something that I didn't see and suddenly I'm being taught by the ways that the spirit is speaking to them and then someone else sees another observation. The ancient rabbis had this high view of scripture as being this living, breathing, moving word. And when you looked up, at it and you held it up to the light, you saw truths in a different way, maybe than the way you saw it last time. And it's constantly revealing new things to you. And we are full of goodness, filled with knowledge and competent to instruct each other in the things that the Spirit teaches us through the Word. Romans 12, 10, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourself. That phrase, honor one another above yourself, means to outdo each other in honoring. I mean, this is total Jesus stuff right here. Flip the way of the world on its head. No, it's, it's not about me. It's, it's about you. No, 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 man. What, how are you doing? I don't want to talk about how I'm doing. How are you doing? What's going on in your life? Tell me more about, like, I want to dive all the way in and go for gold and what it means to be about you, this idea of honoring each other and being devoted to each other in this way. It's just a beautiful way to one another. Colossians 3.13. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Now love involves being patient with each other's flaws. And it covers a multitude of of sins. Bear with each other. And I got to be honest, I am so bad at this. And so are you. I read your social media. (laughs) Listen, there are things that we need to deal with in our relationships and things to address and things to mend and to confront and things to fix. But sometimes in love, there are some things that we just need to bear and endure for one another. Now, hey, if we're talking about sin, a moral issue, yes, dive in, confront it, deal with it. But if it's just something like, oh, I just don't like him, he drives me crazy, bear it. And love, grin, and bear it. I can't tell you how many times I have found myself just frustrated with someone and I find this, this sort of angst and this fire start to build inside of me. And I start to jump to all kinds of conclusions and assumptions. And then I sit across from them, eyeball to eyeball. And suddenly I begin to hear their story. And I begin to understand context. And I find my heart just melt a little bit. And some of the angst just sort of fade away. And I realize that this person across from me that has this beating heart, that has these desires and these dreams and these struggles and the things that they're going through is just a whole lot like me. And some of the things that I was frustrated with before, suddenly they're just not a big deal. And taking some time to just bear it for a little bit until I could gain some context and some understanding and part of the story provides grace to the situation. And when we don't do that, we, we start to have all these sort of rogue side whispering conversations with each other about other people. And that is just not healthy to the body. 
bear with each other, lean in, learn the deeper story, and then forgive one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Not just bear with flaws, but forgive actual, real offenses. Let them go. Don't let them store up. Don't let them fester. Forgive one another. James 5.16. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Few things are more humbling and healing than when we confess our sins to one another. That's the level of trust that we would love to have in our missional communities, in our small groups. And then finally, 1 Peter 4, 9. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Now I add this because most of our small groups happen in homes. And yet I know for some of you that host, it can become a stressful thing to open your home and bring in a bunch of people, especially if you have this tendency to sort of go Joanna Gaines with it, you know, before people get there, where all of a sudden it's like you're staging and cleaning things for 16 hours straight and your family starts to hate your guts. You know, I I realize that can cause some strain and some stress on you. And it just cracks me up how many homes I've gone into. And I hear this over and over and over again. You walk into someone's home, and you've heard this too. You walk into someone's home, and they're immediately apologizing for things. Oh, I'm so sorry. This place is a disaster. And I'm looking down at the one toy on the floor, and I'm thinking, that one toy is like the disaster we're talking about? Like, I'm just impressed that your three kids are able to coexist with one toy and not like rip each other's heads off. In my house, it'd be Lord of the Flies situation here. So way to go on that. Um, Wow, okay. Oh, the one dish I see on your counter. My goodness. I mean, how dare you show evidence of eating food in your home? I mean, please just clean all that stuff up. Don't let the beauty of serving through your hospitality in your home wreck you before people even get through the door. Is your home open? Is it flowing with grace and love? Then you're in good shape. Now, as we read through these passages, you should have picked up a number of things. Just, first of all, this repetition of these directives and these commands and this idea of what it means to be together and take care of each other. It's a pretty big foundational idea for these first century Christians, and it's a really big deal for us. As you said, doesn't that get messy? I mean, we're talking about words like exhorting and encouraging and forgiving and being compassionate with one another. Yes, it can get messy. Because sometimes, quite frankly, we can be hard to love. But that's the whole point. That's the whole reason. That's the whole deal and what it means to get circled up eyeball to eyeball. Because it reminds us. It renews us. It spurs us to love and good deeds. And it pushes us to get back on mission. Jesus, in one of the final commands that he gives his disciples before he's taken away, arrested, tried, and crucified. He says this in John 13, verse 34 and 35. A new command I give you. Now again, this is Jesus elevating this thing. This wasn't a new command. They'd heard it before. He's been teaching it to them for a number of years now, but he's just again putting a huge exclamation mark on this as he's about to be carried off. A new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another.
the ways in which we are committed to gathering and loving one another and caring for one another. This is how the world is going to know. This is how we're going to differentiate ourselves. This is how we will make a difference in our county. This is the way that we will begin to reach the 50,000 people in our county who are unchurched and not in relationship with Jesus. This is what it will look like for us to be a light on the hill. And you see how this foundational principle of being committed to community ultimately circles back to support the other principles of what it means to reach the world around us with the gospel. And I mean, we can go out and we can love up the whole county and the whole world for that matter. But when the county and the world peers back in, do they see a group of people loving and caring for each other well? Well, how do we know when we are getting this right? What's the way to measure just growing steps forward when it comes to being in community? Well, for starters, we have to participate. We have to dive in and be a part and we have to kind of start to look around and and check in on each other of, hey, are, are we engaging in this? Are we taking steps forward in what it means to participate in community? But I think we can begin to measure around this idea of mutual care. See, mutual care says that we step into community to care for others and to be cared for by others. And to do this right, you have to do them both. You can't do one without the other. So when it comes to mutual care, how are you doing at giving care? And how are you doing at receiving it? So many of us quickly gravitate to that it's better to give than than receive. And in many ways we find that to be true. But if you are always pouring out and pouring out and pouring out, eventually you're going to get to the bottom. And there's not going to be anything left. And we need to get better at looking out for each other and having each other's back and begin to observe and to see like, whoa, you've been pouring out quite a bit. How are you? How's your heart Is anyone doing anything for you? Because we're going to see the tank just get depleted and depleted and depleted until it gets to the bottom and there's nothing that's overflowing over the top. It's just this scraping off of the bottom until people just burn out. And a lot of times they go away. We need to submit to one another and allow our community to pour back in to each other. When it comes to this idea of community, we realize it is a process. You know, things get weird on the first date when your date starts flipping through bridal magazines and talking about floral arrangements. Like, whoa, hold on a second. That was weird. I just asked if you wanted an appetizer. Like, how did we get here? The goal is healthy, thriving communities that are committed to meeting and gathering and spurring one another on to love and good deeds. That's the goal. But we realize it's a process. But it's something that we want to commit to. Because we believe, as Andy Stanley often says, life change happens in circles, not sitting in rows. And we know this to be true. We've experienced this. Effective life change often happens in such a powerful way when we are sitting in circles and there's accountability and there's a sense of belonging and there's a sense of care. But again, that's the goal. 
We've worked hard to create a process for you to take steps into the shallow end of the pool when it comes to community because we know it's hard and we know that it takes a lot of courage to open yourself up to people. And yet we know that people come here to this church for community. We know this because you told us when we took this survey at the beginning of the summer, um, we got a bunch of just amazing information and, and data back from you guys. And one of the top reasons that people come to Mission Point is for community. Number one, preaching. Thank you very much. Number two, community. Number three, outreach to our community. Those are the top three. And yet we also received a lot of feedback that told us that people, while they come here for community, many people find it hard to connect and to take some of the next steps. And we recognize that. And our teams are working really hard to address that. And as Emily said, starting next Sunday, we're launching our Connection Month. And for the next number of weeks, you're going to hear about opportunities and ways for you to begin to engage and connect in community and to have this on-ramp. And you'll be given all kinds of information and, and opportunities for that. But I want to walk you through just a little bit of the framework and the thought process behind it uh, as we wrap our time up here. We have a three-tiered approach when it comes to connection and community. And we've set it up in sort of this 101, 201, 301 kind of structure. 101 is contact. It's a one-time gathering. It's easy access, very low commitment. You come, you have some contact, you make some connections, you begin to learn a few names, see some faces, and then you're done. It's a one-time thing. For us, we have an environment called Next Steps that we will start up again next Sunday. And it's just a 15-minute gathering for you to come in with a group of people who are new around here and they want to learn a little bit more about the church and connect with some of the staff team. And again, it's just an opportunity for you to be in a smaller room and get to know a few more people very briefly. Love Ops, our monthly uh, serving opportunity to go out into the community. This is a great contact event. You can go and you can serve for just a couple of hours, lock arms with someone, pour into our community, get to know your church family. The oil change is just a great one to be a part of because there are opportunities for all varieties of personalities and skill. In the fall, as I said before, we're going to have Love Blitz, which is just this mega one month just serving, giving initiative. And we'll have so much fun doing that. And this is a great opportunity for you to come in and begin to connect with more people. In September, we have the Beth Moore simulcast event for women. Again, show up, stick your feet in the shallow end, connect with some ladies, go home. It's really simple. And so I would encourage you, if you've been around here for a number of months and you just kind of come in here on Sunday mornings and then you quietly slip out the door, I would just encourage and challenge you, please, in the next number of weeks, grab onto one of these opportunities. Take one step forward in what it means to connect. 201, connection. This is the next step forward. And in connection, you're making a little bit more of a commitment, but it's still on the easier end of commitment. Like, for instance, starting this fall, we have Financial Peace University, the Dave Ramsey course. It's a nine-week course. It'll happen here on Sunday mornings. And families, couples, you know, uh, singles, anybody can just sign up for this course and walk through this process together for nine weeks. I did it with a group of people earlier in the year, and it was awesome. 
And it wasn't just because of this curriculum, which is great. It was great because I got to meet a ton of people that I'd never met before here at Mission Point. And now when I see them, I, I know them and they know me and we know each other's names and faces. And that's such a great step forward for us in our community. Some of the serving opportunities that we have, these, these ways for you to serve once, twice a month, be on a team, be part of gathering together and doing some things to help the church thrive and to grow and to function. This is a great connection opportunity for you. And then for those of you who, who have said, hey, listen, I've come around here, but I've found it kind of hard to connect. You guys talk about this missional community small group thing, but it doesn't seem like there's ever a chance to sign up. And we realize that. We realize that's an issue and we want to be addressing that. And so we do have Connection Month, which again is a big on-ramp for this season. But we're going to start creating these things called Connection Groups. And they will be launched throughout the year as we go around the calendar. And they'll pop up at different times. And they're basically five, six, seven, eight-week chunks where we'll open up a study, a book, a topic where someone in their home will say, hey, for the next six weeks, we're going to be studying this would love for you to join us and you'll have an opportunity to go and to be a part of that group for a number of weeks to again take steps and community and journey together with a number of folks and finally 301 community the, the goal and if i could have my church wish it would be that everyone would find themselves in a missional community or a small group and these are groups that meet once a week or as much as uh, twice a month for about nine months of the year and it's the same group that comes together each time and they, they journey together throughout the year. And this is the place where you'll have the opportunity to be known, to be cared for, to find this sense of belonging. And it's so critical that we are taking steps, more and more of us, towards this level of community. Because let's be honest, in a church our size, in a church our size that is growing it's going to become easier and easier and continue to get easier and easier to slip in and to slip out of here and to just slip through the cracks. And you can come and you can worship and you can sit through the teaching and when it's over, you can just slip out the door. And we realize that there are many of you here right now that are just kind of checking us out and we love that. We're so grateful that you're here. Some of you are here to just check out God and this church thing and Jesus that you keep hearing about and we're so grateful that you are here. And we hope that we can provide a season for you to just begin to take some of those steps forward. But what we want for you is to have the opportunity to truly be known. We want you to have the opportunity to be connected. We want this to be a place where people are not slipping through the cracks week to week, but they are committed to gathering together to be encouraged and to be spurred on towards love and good deeds. Right now, we've all been watching some of the devastation that's been happening, happening in Louisiana with uh, these floods. And, you know, it's always so hard to, to see just some of the loss and the pain that, that comes out of that. But I always find it just so fascinating how in these moments of just absolute devastation and heartache, the ways in which we as people just start to snap into this reality of what it means to connect in community. Neighbors being neighbors for the first time ever. 
People just coming together to support each other and to help each other. This crazy Cajun Navy thing where they're just going around in their fishing boats and rescuing one another and helping each other collect what's left of their stuff. And people giving of their money and people filling up trucks with supplies and people taking vacation time to just show up and clean up and to do counseling and to do all kinds of rehabilitation work. It's a beautiful and it's an inspiring thing to see. But what I am dreaming about and what I am hoping and praying for is that we could be the kind of community that is just so dialed into this sense of community and this sense of circling up and getting eyeball to eyeball that we could be so mobilized and so prepared that we could show up before the problems even start. That we could have a very preventative nature in our community in some of the situations that take place. That when disaster does strike, we would be so organized and efficient that we could just be hitting the ground running. Because they will know we are his disciples by our love. And a community that is committed to not just showing up in rows, but gathering in circles, will have the opportunity to spur one another on to love and good deeds. That's the kind of community that's going to turn the world upside down in the way that Jesus has designed us to. I would love for you to take about 30 seconds and just say this one simple prayer and I'll then pray us out. I just want you to ask, God, what step would you have me take in community this week? What one step forward would you have me take? Go ahead and pray that and I'll wrap us up in just a second. Father, thank you so much for Jesus and the ways in which he came and absolutely changed the game. Thank you that through him we have access to you. Through him we can be made right in relationship with you. And God, thank you for the ways in which you have called us to love one another well. And God, I confess, it's hard. It's difficult. We need your help in this. We need you to help press us forward in what it means to commit and community to each other. So God, I pray that you would speak to us even this week and give us a really simple step forward that we could take. And as we come back next week and we have opportunities, God, I pray that we would just courageously step in to those opportunities. Lord, be with us as we go from here. I pray that we would have the opportunity to be light to someone who's struggling in darkness today. Thank you so very much for your love for us. In Christ's name. Amen.